would like to read from Holy Scripture, first of all, Luke chapter 15. It's a delightful passage. There's a theme through the passage. If you look through for the, pa- for the theme, which is the theme of some things and some people are lost and some are found. And if you pay attention, careful attention to this theme, you may indeed discover where and who the third son is. Luke 15, verse 1. Hear the word of God. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear our Lord Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country, and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is uh, coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. (coughs) But he was angry and refused to go in. 
His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. After the proclamation of God's Word, we'll praise God with the words of Hymn 79, stanzas 4 and 5. Beloved brothers and sisters in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the passage we have read this morning is, one, uh, is an all-time favorite, one of the all-time favorites for preachers and congregations. It's one of those stories that are so endearing because we can imagine the scenes quite vividly and we can find ourselves maybe at different points in our lives relating to the various characters in the story, especially the story about the two lost sons. There's a ton of content in that story, more than I can give you in a brief homily before Lord's Supper. And so all all I want to do is have you look at four persons in the story. There's a father, a wonderful father. Fathers imitate him. And there's not just one son, not just two sons, But actually, if you look carefully, there are three. To see him, though, you have to sort of read between the lines. And when you see him that way, you'll see him throughout all of Luke's gospel, if not every one of the gospels. First of all, there's the father, verse 20. He arose and came to his father. The son arose, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran, and embraced, and kissed him. We read the story. The first son, fed up with life at home, goes to a faraway land, imagines wealth, health, and happiness, but it turns out to be meaningless partying, loose living, poverty, and trouble. Until he ends up doing what no Jewish boy would ever do, feeding pigs, and even desiring to eat the food that pigs eat. And we can all relate to all this because even if we've never done it in reality, we've all probably had days when we imagined that life would be so much better in any home besides this one or in a place far away from where we presently dwell. And we are meant to see how far he has sunk Because the very Jewish image of pigs, those unclean animals, is meant to inform us. He's not only far from his father, he's so far from the great father in heaven and everything that the Jewish heritage ever valued, everything that the Old Testament was all about, he is far from all of that. And so when he's had enough of the pig food, when he's stooped this low and can't go lower, he finally comes to his senses. He repents, it means. He realizes even his father's slaves in the shack at the back of his property, their life is so much better than his is now. He imagines, maybe dad will take me back, not as a son, but as a slave. And so he trudges home, and he must have recited a hundred times, 
the lines he was going to say for his dad. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Father. But notice what happens in verse 20. Long before he gets there, his father sees him in the distance. He recognizes him, and he gets excited. It's a picture of parental hope that never gives up. I can never read this picture without thinking of my own dear mother. Growing up as a middle child of seven children, there were times when someone in those teen years would come home late, and their mom would be by the front window, sort of hiding in the curtains to see if he or she was home yet. That's parental love. Hope never gives up. Parental hope never gives up. It happens in our homes. It happens in the home and in the heart of our Heavenly Father. That's the first image. He's looking at the horizon because he wants to see his son coming home. He must have done that for days, if not weeks and months. But today, he sees him. He's this father who's always ready to take him back. And then notice, rather than preparing a big speech, why I'm going to tell him a thing or two, it reads, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He's so merciful that the son, notice, he never gets to recite all those lines that he rehearsed. The father, knowing that his son is repentant, just right away makes it clear. He will not be a servant who will live in the back. He will not be a slave. He will be a son, a robe on his back, sandals on his feet, a ring on his hand. Sins are removed. Restoration is total with his father. And then there's the second son, the son who will have none of it. He won't come into the party. He thinks his father is a fool who too quickly gets sucked in by his good-for-nothing brother. He sulks, he pouts, he stumps off. We are meant to see in him a reflection of the Pharisees and the scribes. Verse 1 and 2 is setting the whole setting for the whole chapter. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees are always grumbling because Jesus spends all this time with tax collectors and sinners. Their thinking is, if the Messiah of Israel would come, if He really was the Messiah of Israel, He would not spend His time with those good-for-nothing sinners. He would be with us. It would be our party, and we, not they, would be in the midst of it. We are meant to see in the older son the kind of person we can all be when we fail to be thankful for the repentance of others. Whenever we're judgmental, whenever we think too highly of ourselves. In the words of the late Tim Keller, elder brothers have an undercurrent of anger towards life circumstances. They hold grudges long and bitterly. They look down at people of other races and religions and lifestyles. They experience life as a payless, crushing drudgery. They have little intimacy and joy in their prayer lives and have a deep insecurity that makes them overly sensitive to criticism and rejection, yet fierce and merciless when it comes to condemning others. That's the first son and the second son. But the son I really want to talk about is the third son. Is the third son the best of all. And you're actually supposed to see him between the lines because, look, there's a theme in the earlier parables of this chapter. There's a theme throughout this chapter of lost and found 
and party, lost and found and party, lost and found and party. The parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd who is missing one sheep leaves the 99 and goes to find the one sheep. And when he finds the one sheep, he comes home and throws a party. Secondly, the parable of the lost coin. The woman who is missing one coin sweeps the house to find it. And when she finds it, she calls for her neighbors and she throws a party. And then we get the parable of the lost son. There's a son who is lost and he is found and there is a party. But the one son won't join the party. Why not? Because we are meant to see he should have been the one looking for his elder brother, his younger brother. But he doesn't. Why not? Because like those Pharisees, he's too busy with all his self-righteous acts to show any compassion towards anyone who strays off the path. This is the, exactly what the elder brother should have done. He should have gone up to the father, his father and said, Dad, your other son, my brother, he's been a fool. His life is pretty much a mess. I will go. I will look for him and bring him home, and then we'll party. But the elder brother will not seek he did not seek. All that matters to him, like those Pharisees, is his own inclusion as he looks down on others. And now we start to see the third son, the real son, Jesus, the Son of God. Because who is the true elder brother? By putting a flawed elder brother in the story, Jesus is inviting us to imagine and yearn for a true elder brother. Let me say that again. By putting a flawed elder brother in the story, Jesus is inviting us to imagine and yearn for a true elder brother. Who is the true elder brother, our Lord Jesus Christ? To be sure, if he was like this elder brother of the story, the second son, he would never have come to this earth. He would never have gone to the tree of the cross. He would have turned from us all and said, those people deserve everything they're ever going to get. But look at him in this gospel. Luke is the gospel writer who tells us again and again, this is Jesus. Where will you find him when you read, when you sit down and read Luke's gospel in, in one evening, one sitting, then you see that you find Jesus among the tax collectors, among the sinners, among the prostitutes, the down and out, the lost souls of Israel that the Pharisees and scribes will have nothing to do with. He's always going out to find the lost people in Israel. But Jesus is the true elder brother who goes out and he even goes out and finds us. It's a two-fold picture of the Father and the Son, both looking out for us whenever we are far from Him, which we are far too often. It's a picture of the, of the church, which should always be missional, looking out for all those who are lost, because that's the nature of the Father, and that's the nature of the Son. It's a picture of every faithful office bearer tirelessly going after those wayward sheep and tracking them down. It's a picture of the greatest office bearer ever, our Lord Jesus Christ, doing what the elder brother doesn't do, going after his sinful brother and sister, you and me, and so many more like us, and paying our price, paying our price 
in order that there might be a party to end all parties when He gathers His brothers and sisters together on the new heaven and the new earth. Ah, we are the ones who deserve to be banished to the shack where the slaves live. But He comes into our world like a slave, the lowest of slaves. We deserve alienation, isolation, and rejection, but it's all His for us. The cross, we really deserve to hang there. But it's He, the true elder brother, who never disobeyed the Father's orders, never disobeyed the Father's orders, who hangs there. There Jesus was stripped naked of His robe and dignity, so that we would be clothed with the dignity and standing we don't deserve. On the cross, Jesus was treated as an outcast so that we could be brought into God's family freely by grace. There Jesus drank the cup of eternal justice so that we might have the cup of the Father's joy. There Jesus was brought, banished, out of the Father's presence so that we might be brought home. You see, brothers and sisters, we will never stop being wayward brothers and sisters. We will never stop being elder, grumpy, self-righteous brothers and sisters until we gaze in wonder at the life and death of our true elder brother, Jesus Christ, in whom we see a delightful reflection of our Father. Love and grace and kindness blessing and peace. We will never stop being the self-righteous kind of Pharisee like those Pharisees until we appreciate the true message of the gospel. Yes, we are more sinful than we ever dared to imagine. It took nothing less than this to bring about our salvation, but yes, we are more loved than we ever dared to imagine, because this happened. Jesus gave His body and soul as everything for us. It's the nature of the Father's home to show love and grace and kindness, because that is the overflowing prodigal nature of our Father. You may have a place in it, but it only really feels at home when you are like Him, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening this morning. You too, at the Lord's Supper table, are being welcomed by the same Father. He sees us in Christ. He sees us with heart of compassion and grace and wants us to eat and drink out of a sincere longing to forsake all ways but His ways and to bask in His grace and love. It's a symbol of deep personal union with the Father and the Son. You know, Lord's Supper, we're going to read from the form for self-examination, but it's not just about how many sins you did, and what are the big sins, what are the little sins, and it's about how far are you away from this God. The first son was far, far away. The second son was far away, even though he was at home. He was just a slave in a home. How far away are you? Do we live out of the vibrancy of the gospel? Do we appreciate its message? Do we have a living relationship with the Father? That's what fathers want, don't they? They always want to have a living relationship with all their children. That's what this father wants. That's what this brother wants. 
We are meant to live in relationship with the Father. That's what sons do. The first son flees from the Father until he comes to his senses. The second son flees from the Father with all his rigid rule-keeping. But the third one lives in a vibrant relationship with his Father, even as he looks out for us. That's the question. How far away are we? The son who loves to find repentant sinners is looking for you and me to come close to him and his father in humble repentance as we make them our greatest joy. So eat and drink and become like the one whose body you eat, whose blood you drink, whose body and blood will change you by the power of the Spirit of God. Amen.